0: Well, good morning. Thank you, Tamil, for those very uh, gracious words. It is uh, indeed a delight to uh, be here in person. And I got to admit right from the get-go that this is kind of weird. Like, I don't know how many times you have been meeting again in person. And I also want to say hi to those that are joining us online. It's great to have you as well. Uh, but I don't get many opportunities until just recently to be up front and stuff. So you know, people even like myself, we're having to relearn the craft of connecting with people. Uh, so bear with me as, as I also share with you this morning. Uh, it's just wonderful to be here in Simcoe And already, just in the few minutes that I've been in the door, uh, I've met with several people who were part of the search team that I was able to connect with a couple weeks ago. I discovered that Eric here uh, has connections with Ryan Yancey, who is a recent addition to our Ontario team. I don't know if you know, Eric used to live up in Zurich area uh, and his family, and so there's some interesting connections. And then I discovered that there's some... I think it's Betty, Betty Clawson, who has connections with my parents uh, from years ago. And so Betty would, if she remembers that era, and if I was around, which I think I was just barely, I was one of these little characters that was causing probably lots of grief. Although in that era, you were not allowed to cause grief in the church. Uh, there were ways of dealing with children appropriately, or so we thought. Um, Anyways, it's great to be here to have the privilege uh, of connecting. I also should mention um, I do have ongoing connections with Jeff McLeod. Am I allowed to say that name in this place? Are you still okay with that guy? Uh, Jeff is our board chair and I just have the privilege on a pretty regular basis of connecting with him. Uh, Certainly with Tamil ongoingly now as well, you are blessed to have had and to still have such amazing leaders here in this place. And I will continue to be in prayer with you that uh, if Tamil can't have her arm twisted to continue on as the lead... um, God will provide exactly who you need uh, to continue to build the team and to build the ministry here at Simcoe. So uh, looking forward to seeing what God does. It's certainly a piece of significant prayer uh, and it's a time of transition. And in a time of transition as a church, it's always a little bit unsettling. As you know, uh, it's good moments, and then it's still, but God, where are you going to take us, and what's going to be the next step? So know that you're uh, not alone in that journey. Uh, We will be, uh, myself and the team and others, praying for you. I thought in the moments that I have, um, I wanted to share with you something that has been going through my mind quite a bit of late, and that would be just around the whole theme of what kind of church... Is God calling us to be, as we emerge, we trust and we believe, out of this pandemic season? Like, are we all desiring to go back to February of 2020, to the way things used to be? Or can we imagine or begin to reimagine and begin to press into what kind of a people, what kind of a church might God actually be calling us to be about? And so I want to take you to a passage that for maybe many of you is really familiar. It's Acts chapter 2, the last couple verses there. If you have a Bible or your phone, you might want to turn there. I'm going to refer to it. It's very brief, but we'll touch on that in just a few moments. It's kind of a picture of when the early church gathered together and what it looked like. And I always find it's good in some ways to go back to some of those models, some of those images, and to see, maybe even with a new set of glasses on, what does that mean in 2022 as we move into the spring, as we move into the summer of this year and beyond? What kind of a group of people, what kind of a church is God actually calling us to be? I can remember a number of years ago, and this goes back probably to the late 90s, I'd recently moved to Ontario, pastoring a church in St. Catharines, and I had the opportunity to go to Toronto, where at that time, a pretty well-known speaker uh, from the States was in Canada sharing around the vision of what the church could be like if it was functioning well and correctly. And one of the comments was, there's nothing like the church when it is working well, or the church is the hope of the world. Now ninety seven, ninety eight seems like a long time back already, uh, particularly coming out of this pandemic. I wonder in this moment, what is the church to be about? And just before I go there, I want to again remind us, and you don't need to be reminded of the moment that we're in, but I want to give you an image or a a story, so to speak, of the experience that we have all just been walking through. This pandemic is unprecedented in all of our lives, and we have all been impacted, and we are all continually being impacted. I have a daughter at home right now who is determining in the next couple of hours of whether she'll jump on the plane and go to Vancouver, where she's a student at UBC, or whether her roommate... The test that she's taking this morning says that she has COVID and therefore my daughter will stay with us yet another week, uh, which we're delighted to have her do. But it's just another reality of the challenge that we find ourselves in, in this moment. Back a year and a bit ago, my dad was one of the first people in his seniors complex who passed away because of COVID. We've all been deeply impacted In about April of 20, a poem came out that really gripped my heart. And then I discovered that the author of this poem was a a lady by the name of Sarah Bournes, who, similar to myself, had walked through an arrow leadership. You may not know what arrow leadership is. Uh, but it's a fantastic leadership program that I had the privilege of taking a couple years ago. Sarah is also a graduate, and just before the pandemic started, she had moved to New York City. And she witnessed, and if you recall, two years ago, New York City was the epicenter of stuff, and it was not pretty as the pandemic really ravaged that city. And she wrote this poem that I thought I would read because it just kind of puts this moment into perspective. It's entitled, We've All Been Exposed. Maybe you've seen it. It went around for some time online. We've all been exposed. Not necessarily to the virus, maybe. Who even knows? We've all been exposed by the virus. Corona is exposing us. Exposing our weak sides. Exposing our dark sides. Exposing what normally lays far beneath the surface of our souls, hidden by the invisible masks we wear. Now exposed by the paper masks we can't hide far enough behind. Corona is exposing our addiction to comfort. Our obsession with control. Our compulsion to hoard. Remember all the. (laughs) You remember. (laughs) The toilet paper rolls. Our protection of self. Corona is peeling back our layers, tearing down our walls, revealing our illusions, leveling our best laid plans. Corona is exposing the gods we worship. Our health, our hurry, our sense of security, our favorite lies, our secret lusts, our misplaced trust. Corona is calling everything into question. What is the church without a building? What is my worth without an income? How do we plan without security? How do we love despite risk? Corona is exposing me. My mindless numbing. My endless scrolling. My careless words. My fragile nerves. We've all been exposed. Our junk laid bare. Our fears made known. The band-aid torn. The masquerade done. So... What now? What's left? Clean hands, clear eyes, tender hearts. What Corona reveals, God can heal. Come, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. I find that that poem has really captured something, and it taps into certainly something deep in myself. The pandemic has exposed some real hard truths. We live in an incredibly polarized world. I don't know if you've noticed. During these last two years, we've discovered some of the really deep racial divisions in our world. The political divisions. The divide between those with privilege and power and those with less. And so in this moment that we find ourselves, and we could get kind of overwhelmed and feel the weight and the almost gloominess of that, but in this moment, I'd like us to reconsider the place of the church. And so I give to you, Luke chapter 2 and verse 42. It's one of the first pictures of the early church. And it's a powerful picture. There it says, The disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people." And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, when I think of that particular image of the church, one of the questions that goes through my mind is is that the image that the church is always supposed to be? Or was that just one moment in time that can sort of never be replicated? Is it normative? Or is it for all time? Well, rem- remember with me the context. What has just happened before this picture of the church? You see, it was just a few months earlier that Jesus had been crucified. That band of followers that said to him, We're going to go to the death for you, had all fled, run for cover, and were hiding. And then he rose from the dead, and they saw him. They witnessed him. It says over 500 people for a matter of about 40 days heard of Jesus' presence again. They saw him, and it says that Jesus taught them about the kingdom of God. And then, surprisingly to all of them, he ascended and left. And said, I will send the Holy Spirit to be upon all of you. And Pentecost Sunday had happened. And the Spirit fell on all those people as they were gathered, as they were worshiping in the the temple. And it was a windy day like today. It says that the Spirit came in wind and in tongues of fire. And people began to speak in languages that they didn't normally speak in. And Peter had this powerful message And it says that 300 people turned to say yes to following Jesus, and they were baptized. And the amazing thing is it says in this passage we just read that everyone was filled with awe. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. We know that hasn't happened with the church over history. They were united. They witnessed miraculous healings, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. And within a number of weeks, the number of believers grew to 5,000 people. It was, I believe, an idyllic moment, but a moment that just gives us a glimpse of what the church can be when it's all that God has called us to be. Now, there aren't very many idyllic moments in our lives. I don't know if you can think of one. Maybe for some of you, when the Blue Jays actually won the World Series, everything came, all the stars aligned and life was perfect. Um, We're still hoping for that to happen again. Um, The one moment that I can remember in my life, and there have been several different things, but the one moment that kind of stands out was I so clearly remember the moment that our first daughter was born. And I was allowed to be in the room there, some Dynamics were going on. It was uh, pretty challenging for my wife at the time, understandably. And I was sort of just standing there, being asked to stay out of the way. All of a sudden, this screaming little girl came out. And she was wrapped up in some warm blankets. And basically, the nurses just kind of thrust her into my arms. And it's like, here you go, Dad. And it was just amazing. Just that amazing. Oh, my goodness. My wife and I were both crying. And it's... And then life carried on. And for two years, the crying didn't stop. But it was idyllic. It was wow. In this moment in the church, it was remarkable. And in the passage that I've just read, there's four things I want to really just briefly touch on that I think can help us as we try to reimagine what the church today could and should be. Four things very quickly, and then I'll come back to each one. First, I noticed that they opened themselves to relearn some things. They could reimagine what the church could actually be. I think that's a significant one. Secondly, they engaged deeply in each other's lives. It was powerful. It says they devoted themselves to fellowship, Third, I noticed that they broke bread together. What's that all about? Luke simply says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And then fourthly, they discovered the power of prayer. And it was not something that had been natural to these people, but all of a sudden it welled up in them. So let's just quickly look at each of these. First, they opened themselves to learning things afresh, to reimagine. Now, you think we have a lot to relearn as we move out of this pandemic. Let me give you a couple thoughts on what this group of people had to reimagine. In that moment, when that church was birthed, most of the early believers, the 12, and even the 120 that had followed Jesus, were Jews. And at Pentecost, God blew open the doors. And there were people from every conceivable language and cultural group that all of a sudden came into the mix of this church. I noticed that they, as disciples, had had a specific expectation of what the Messiah was supposed to do. He was supposed to come and clear out the Romans and set up this new nation. And instead, Jesus came on a donkey, he went to the cross. And they had to reimagine what it is that the Messiah was to be all about. In the early moments, most of the leaders were men. And we can see how very quickly in the church, women were included in the leadership of the church. They were individuals who worshipped on the Sabbath, which was Saturday. And from that beginning of the early church... They gathered on Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. They had worshipped in the temple and now suddenly they were going from house to house and very quickly you discover in Luke they weren't even allowed to be in the temple and persecution came. And they had been a small group of 12 going up to 120 and within weeks they were well over 5,000. Their whole world turned upside down, and they had to reimagine what it was like to be this band of followers of Jesus. What are we to be like in 2022 as we emerge from the pandemic? Let me just give you some questions to ponder. What's the importance of meeting on Sundays moving forward? How important is it to meet in person or to be meeting online? Or do we continue to do both? How do we reimagine the use of our facilities so it can be a real place? And I know here in Simcoe, you folks do a fantastic job with your uh, young or children's uh, program here during the week, the daycare, etc. It's amazing. Where is God at work right now in this moment of history that we really need to pay attention to? How are we to press into the issues of racial injustice that are so prevalent in our time? What about people that are marginalized and continue to be on the fringes? How is the church legitimately and authentically with the love of Christ to reach beyond ourselves? The early followers of Jesus. They were true disciples. They were learners. They were willing to rediscover, to reimagine. And I would invite us to consider, how do we reimagine the kind of community that God is calling us to be in the days ahead? Secondly, they engaged in each other's lives. It says that they devoted themselves to the fellowship being together and you get the sense in in verse 42 that they were together all the time they had everything in common in fact it says some of them sold property and brought their possessions brought their resource so that those who had less could have and there was equality there's this neat story in chapter 4 where it says from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money From the sale and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprius, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I've been quite surprised as I look across our province at how many churches through the pandemic have opened food banks. The generosity and money has come together and resources have come together. And it's just one example, one illustration of churches that are trying to be present in their communities. We're all, and this is of course a big sidebar, but we're all having on our minds, front and center right now, what's going on in Ukraine. I have a friend who lived in Niagara, he's Ukrainian. Canadian, married two daughters. They chose about 10 years ago to be in live Ukraine church planting. And I'm tracking with him regularly. They've chosen to stay. And their community, a small fledgling church plant, has opened their doors, opened their facilities. And as people are fleeing the country right now, they are a stopping place along that train of moving people as they're leaving going to other parts of Europe but they're choosing to be the presence of Jesus right there in the middle of all the sadness and chaos when you think about generosity how might evergreen heights even be more generous to your community about you as you think into the future What might God be calling you to be about that you haven't even to this point dreamed of or imagined? Third, it says that they broke bread together. Now we know they're talking about communion in some fashion, It says there that they broke bread in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. And there's all kinds of illustrations in the New Testament of this thing that we've come to call the Eucharist or communion. And I know we're going to participate in just a moment. A remarkable experience that has stood the test of time. Three years ago, my wife and I had the privilege, it was an amazing experience, to go to France and Spain and walk what some of you may have heard about, the Camino de Santiago. It's a 700-kilometer walk. It's a pilgrimage. used to be done by uh, the Christian pilgrims. Now it's done by literally millions of people every year. It's a Absolutely remarkable experience. Of course, it got shut down for a period of time and is just starting to reopen. It goes from town to town to town, across Spain to Santiago. But at the center of each community is a Catholic cathedral, or many of them. And although I don't know Spanish very well, actually, I don't know it at all, appropriately, I could sit in on Catholic masses in Spain and know exactly what was transpiring. Because as a follower of Jesus, I participate in the breaking of bread. God's body broken for me and for you. His life given for us as we drink and remember with the cup. That powerful symbol. Paul would say for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This was a community that gathered together to break bread together. And then lastly, they were a people of prayer. Now, as good Jewish leaders, I'm sure they knew how to pray before they encountered Jesus. But when they were with Jesus, they had said, Jesus, teach us to pray because we don't seem to know how to pray like you seem to. And so he had taught them. And we have some of those teachings where Jesus had said, okay... So when you pray, this is what you would say. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know where that, how that continues. It's interesting that At the darkest moment of Jesus' life, when he was just about to go to the cross, he invited those three closest followers to come with him and to specifically, he asked them, could you just pray for me? I'm gonna go off a little bit further and plead with the Father that maybe what's about to happen could pass. And twice, he comes back and they're sleeping. But when Pentecost happens, when the church is birthed, they become a people passionate about prayer. And there's an incident just in chapter four of Acts where it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the words of God boldly. How can we reimagine prayer as we move into the future? I'm personally becoming more and more convinced that it's not so much what we do. In fact, it's never been about what we do. But it's the power of God at work in and through us. And he invites us to pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I trust, and I know all of us are believing and hoping, That with this spring, we're moving into a more free, a more real, a more life-giving time. As a culture and as a people. And as we do that, and as we try to do that as appropriately, and with all the proper health, appropriately uh, lived out experiences, what kind of church... Is God calling us to be? And what kind of a church is God calling you here in Simcoe to be? And I would encourage you to consider. To reimagine. And be willing to learn and to test new things. About the church that you can be moving forward. Deeply engaged with each other. It was kind of fun actually. I was with the search a team on zoom a couple nights ago i guess it's about a week and a half ago now and it's a great bunch like it's doug right doug and his team and tamil and stuff i even had to say to them like i'm having so much fun i think i might put an application in uh, when this is all said and done like you seem to enjoy being together it's a strength keep going for that. a people who break bread together Remembering Christ's death until he comes. And lastly, a people of prayer. God, may we be those kind of people. Uh, So why don't we close with a word of prayer. Jesus, I just thank you for the picture, the image, of what the church actually can and should be. And we just admit and confess that so often we get in the way Our vision is often so small compared to what you would maybe have for us. But I just want to pray for this community in particular here in Simcoe. God, you have an amazing opportunity and mission before them. And I would pray that there would be open hearts, soft hearts to hear, to respond, and to move forward with the things that you're calling them to be about. They don't have to be like everybody else, but the things that you're calling them to be about. So would your hand of blessing, encouragement be on them, I pray in particular for Tamil, as she's carrying a heavy load here at this moment. Give her all that she needs. Thank you for her gifts and strengths. Um, And may the community really also rally around and support her in this journey. Uh, But bless this whole church, Jesus, I pray. I thank you that we can do this together. May your encouragement and hope fall upon each of these dear folks, I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's been a privilege to be with all of you.